Hey everybody and welcome to Learning From Smart People. I am your host, Rob Oliver, and today I have with me a very smart person. This is my friend, Seth Green. Seth is the founder of MarketDominationLLC.com, one of the fastest growing marketing companies in the United States. Seth, welcome to the show, man. Thanks so much, Rob. It is an honor to be here. I am super excited to share with you and your audience. No doubt. Well, here's one of the cool things. The show's called Learning from Smart People, and I'm always looking for smart people. And it was when I talked with you and a couple of the times that we have interacted, the amount that I've learned from you, you're definitely a smart person. And therefore, I figured the audience can learn as well. So tell me a little bit, you're doing marketing. What kind of marketing are you doing? it? Um, I've got a bunch of entrepreneurs that are listening. Tell me about the, the kind of services that you're offering or what this means to them. Sure. So we do direct response marketing. So our job is not to get your name out there, to get your logo recognized by focus groups or get people to see you. We believe that's a complete waste of money unless you're Coca-Cola or Nike and have a billion dollar marketing budget. Our job is to make the phone ring. So we are designed to either generate leads, generate sales, generate appointments, qualified prospects who know what you do, know who you do it for, know why you do it, know what you do, how you work, what you charge, and are interested in talking to you, knowing all of that information ahead of time. Okay, so I love this idea because what you're doing is there is there's a direct correlation between the marketing and the outcome. Because a lot of times what you're saying is so true where people are doing marketing and it's to build brand awareness. And you have no idea what's going on. You have no idea what the results are. And you may see those in a couple of days. You may see those in a couple of years. It, it just, it's out there, but you're doing this. So as you're doing this, is it social media? Is it website? Is it, you know, what's the, what's the prescribed path for this? So we're media agnostic. It doesn't matter to us what form of media you use. We believe that the media you use should be defined and decided by the prospect. So if you want 80-year-old arthritic widows, if they're your ideal client, they're not on TikTok yet. They're not on Snapchat. Direct mail or a print ad in Prevention Magazine or maybe Facebook because they want to see pictures of their grandkids might be the best places to reach them. If, however, you were trying to reach you know, stay-at-home moms, then perhaps Facebook, Instagram, and a little bit of TikTok might be the best places. So it doesn't matter to us where they are. We have to figure out who they are first. Then we can figure out where they hang out or visit virtually or physically. And then that'll inform what type of marketing we need to reach them. Okay. Again, this makes perfect sense. Part of it is you've got to figure out where your people hang out. Where are your customers? And I guess maybe a step behind that is first, you've got to figure out who your ideal customer is. And absolutely. Can you talk about that a little bit? Success or failure of any tar marketing is going to be based on the proper selection of your target market. Okay. So are you helping people to define their target market? Do you have some tips for them to, to make sure? Because listen, I'm a motivational speaker. Okay. And as a motivational speaker, there's part of me that says I can speak to any group, anytime, anywhere you just tell me. And that, and I, I've learned enough to know that if you're marketing to everybody, you're marketing to nobody. So can you give some tips for people that are helping to uh, help to define who your target market is? Absolutely. So you are completely 100% correct. You can't be all things to all people and you don't have the marketing budget to tell them all. 
that you want to be all things to all people. So if you could laser focus, like micro niche that down to a very small group of the exact right prospect, you will have much better success. You will reinvent your business. You will explode your revenue and you can work less and make more. So some of the questions we asked to help you to determine what that market is, who's your favorite client? Why were they your favorite client? What do you like best about working with them? Who refers the most? Who pays the most? Who stays the longest? All of those are just a handful of questions that will help you narrow it down. If you think about it, we have a dentist. Everybody gets what a dentist does. And the dentist walks into my office and the first conversation, first question I always ask is, who's your target market? And he says, oh, that's easy. I can help anybody with teeth. I said, Doc, you don't have the budget to reach everybody with teeth. And you don't want to because some of them can't afford you. Sure. And it, when we analyzed his client, his patient base, we were able to determine that his ideal target market was a 40 to 55-year-old suburban woman who had gotten divorced in the last six months, was starting to date again, was terrified of competing against younger women, wanted to do something to improve her appearance, but was afraid of plastic surgery. Okay. We remade his entire practice to serve just that group of people. He now makes four times as much money. He works half as much, and he is absolutely loving his life and has a six-month waiting list of divorcing women who want this service. Okay, so, all right, first of all, I have to say that when you say a dentist walks into my office, it sounds like the beginning of some form of a joke, but it's, it's you know. It is I, not. Right, but at the same time, Here's what I'm concerned about, and I'm sure that a lot of my listeners are hearing this. You say micro niche, okay? And the question becomes, if I niche down that much that it, I'm serving just a, a small segment, am I, going to, am I going to basically work myself out of, you know, out of a, an audience or out of customers? Am I going to run out of customers before I can blink? No, you'll never run out of customers. We had, for example, a financial advisor who decided he wanted to work with Republican hunters. And there are 329 millionaire Republican hunters in his city. And we were able to buy that list. We were able to market to them via direct mail. And the very first event he ever did for them was sold out. There were 60 plus of them in the room. And he lived off of that one seminar for like five years before he had to do another one. Okay. I it's interesting that you say that because uh, I'm a member of the National Speakers Association here in Pittsburgh. One of the folks that we came in was talking about, you know, hitting the bullseye, finding out where you are. And his analogy was that there are multiple rings on the, the target. And if you aim for the center, you may hit a couple of the outside rings. And But this guy, he was like a forestry expert and he spoke at forestry conferences and I'm like, I don't know how many forestry conferences, like I've, I didn't know this was an industry to begin with. I didn't know how many conferences were out there. And this guy's making like a six or seven figure income speaking at forestry conferences, which I didn't know existed. So me neither. Yeah. Which fits right into your concept though, that when you find your niche, when you find your place, you, what you're bringing is really, it corresponds or it correlates with what the people are, are looking for. And that's ultimately going to be what gives you the, you almost, you almost don't have to, to, to create the demand because the demand is already there. Your target market knows what they want. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, it makes total sense. So your target market may or may not know what they want. They, what they know, what we need to make sure that your target market knows is they have a problem. 
that okay. they have some type of pain that they want to make go away. They may not know how to solve it because they might have tried something already, or they may have tried and failed to solve that problem already. Like, for example, if you were in like fitness and weight loss, theoretically, everybody you're going to market to has already tried to lose weight somehow. Right. No one has woke up for the very first day saying, God, I'm overweight. I better do something about it. And I want Rob to help me. Right. They have already tried one, two, three, five, 20 different diets that failed or they didn't keep the weight off or whatever. You've got to find that micro niche subgroup of people with that pain that is willing to pay, willing and able to pay for that pain to go away. And then you need to redirect their desire to get rid of their pain to your product or service. Okay. And I guess that brings up the next, you qualified it with this. You qualified it by saying they need to be able to pay. Okay. Because sometimes there are, we define our, who do you, your question was something like, who's your, who's your favorite client or who did you enjoy working yes. with? And you say, well, I like going to, you know, I like going and, and talking to kindergartners about how to paint with their fingers, right? That, okay, th there may be something there, but that doesn't sound like a, a way to, to really scale a business. It, is that an accurate representation? Correct. Unless you are selling to the schools an assembly program on painting for kindergartners, unless you figure out the kindergartners themselves obviously physically can't pay you, unless you're selling some workshop to mom or dad or you have a Montessori school or something, it'd be a little bit of a stretch, but correct. For example, um, my mentor, Dan Kennedy, tells a story of how he had a carpet cleaner as a marketing client and the carpet cleaner sent out the, the multi-step direct mail campaign and it flopped. And Dan said, I could tell you why it flopped, but it'd be much more fun to show you. And this is decades and decades ago. And they got in the car and drove out to the ad some of the addresses where the 80% of the addresses were. And it was a trailer park. Right. And nobody cared about their carpet because they were renting. So he's like, you went after the wrong target market that doesn't really think they have a problem or an apartment building that does not care about the carpets because their landlord's going to do that. Yeah. Okay. And as I said, like finger painting for kindergartners, I'm actually thinking about the idea that uh, in there, if you can market in the right neighborhoods, there are some folks who have, who are affluent enough that to them dropping their kids off for two hours at your paint studio for the, for their child to do some finger painting. And then they come back two hours later and they can, you know, they've got two hours on a Saturday where they don't have I don't want to say this in the wrong way, but they don't have to watch their own kids. You watch the kids for them. And then they come out of it with some kind of cute thing that they can send to grandma. Maybe there is somewhere a, a market for that. Now, now that I talk about it, it, have I talked myself into the possibility that there is a market there? You might have. Okay. Just double checking on that. All right. So you've defined your market and now you're going to try and get your message out. How do you, do you have some tips for making sure that the message that you're getting out is a message that resonates with your audience or your, Abs yeah. absolutely. So we've got to know our target audience inside and out, know what keeps them up at night, know what their hopes, fears, and dreams are, know what they secretly wish could solve all their problems and what their magic wand is. So yes, we've got to know all of that. And then we've got to craft uh, what I call a magical marketing proposition, something that makes new prospects appear like magic and makes your competition disappear. So we've got to answer the question, why should they do business with you as opposed to anyone else who does what you do? So we've got to craft the here's who I am and what I do statement, what you might think of as a, as a normal elevator pitch. 
and we got to put that on steroids and answer that question in such a way that everyone who is not the target market says, oh, never mind, I didn't really mean to talk to you. I want to repel them. So our conservative hunter example, when someone asked him what he did, he said, I help conservative sportsmen protect their nest egg from Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. Right. So if he, if you were a liberal, you would run away going, I want to talk to that guy. But if you were a hunter and you were conservative, you were, you know, them taking your guns away and wrecking healthcare in the stock market was your worst nightmare. Right. So you are instantly attracted to that and say, oh, my God, that is exactly what I want. So we've got to figure out a way to answer that question that calls out to that target market and makes them raise their hand and go, oh, my God, that's what I want. But I didn't know it existed. How do I sign up? That's how you know you did it right. Okay, that that makes so much sense. Although it it sounds a little bit counterintuitive. Like I I don't want people running away from me. I don't want people saying like, oh, that's not the guy I want to work with. But I, how do you how do you kind of help people get over that fear of rejection or that un- lack of comfort with um, people saying, I don't want to work with you? You don't. I mean, you shouldn't. So. We want them to say, I don't want to work with you. We want to repel everybody who isn't the right in your target market and make them all go away so that only the right people are left. Okay. And I understand that. And I guess I'm just thinking about it from, you know, from my maybe Pollyanna-ish view, like I want everybody to like me. I want everybody to love me. I want everybody to, but you're saying from, from a business perspective, it's gotta be that narrow to say, this is, these are my people. And if you're not my people, I don't want, I, I don't want to yes. waste my time on you. Is that correct? So for example, the original business that I started and still own is how to find money for college.com. And in that business, we help parents save an average of $19,077 per year per child on college tuition of kids going to elite private schools. So what I just said, if you don't have high school age kids, you don't care. You will walk away. If your kids are going to public school most time, you will walk away. But if if your kids are super smart or athletic or whatever, and you think they're headed to expensive private college, you will raise your hand and go, I want to save 80 grand each. Tell me more. So I did it right because it immediately repels everybody who's not in my target market and attracts everybody who is. Okay. And let me just, let me just clarify, I guess, where I was coming from. Okay. In this day and age where we are so politically polarized when you say conservative liberal um it's literally basis for a a fist fight sometimes okay and but in no one's gonna punch you out because you're not for them they're just gonna say no but i understand that but what you're saying with your example of the um of the college tuition that is something that it 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 doesn't in my mind you're you said repel and what it does is it just it allows people to walk by without any attraction. It, it allows people to pass by. And so in that way, your your net only scoops up the people that it really makes sense for. Okay. Yes, I want to fish with the right bait in the right pond to catch the right fish. I don't want, if I'm fishing for shrimp, I'm not trying, I have a net designed to catch fish. All the salmon will swim out or not fit or, or go the other way. Right. Okay. That makes, I'm not a fisher person. That's kind of obvious, but yep, that's okay. If you're fishing for shrimp, it's very likely that you're not going to spend a whole lot of time getting, uh, catching shrimp, but that's okay. Uh, so, all right. So can you give me some examples maybe of ways to test out your, 
your target message. So your first step is you've got to, you've got to get to know who your customer is, and then you've got to speak their language. And that in speaking their language, you find out what, what is it that attracts them and no one else. And then kind of how do you address or fine tune that message once you kind of are, are started in that path? So I am going to test sending that message to my target market and see if they resonate with it. And if it works and they say, that's me, sign me up, I'm going to do more of it. If nobody responds, I'm going to call them and say, why didn't you respond? What did I get wrong? And survey them until I get a message that works. Okay. I love it. I, can I, well, I'm going to do it anyway and you can get mad at me and tell me that we have to cut this out. But that's uh, one of the things I learned about uh, learned from you was about doing um, fine tuning Facebook advertising stuff. I, would you, are you willing to kind of share some of that that you've done? Um, to, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, uh, so what you were talking about is you putting out a message and seeing what the response is, putting out two messages. You compare the response and then when it comes back, uh, can you tell me, or did I just explain the whole thing and there's nothing more to it? No, I could do hours of lecture just on that. So for example, we have a way that I learned from one of my mentors of rapidly, cheaply testing whether those magical marketing propositions, whether that marketing message is working or not. If your target market is on Facebook, that's the caveat to this. You'd have to test it someplace else if they're not on Facebook. But I, yeah, I taught you that strategy where we tested 40 different angles. We tested 20 first, then we took the top two and we narrowed down to where we had 10 that worked really well. And then we narrowed it down to the top two. And for example, in the college, in, in our grow your, grow your own cult.com business, we went from, you know, who else wants to get, you know, 50 more referrals a year to after 40 different tests, which only took about a week and a half to do, we narrowed it down to the best performing ad angle was, are you ready for 21st century referral technology? which I never would have guessed on my own. I would not have called our service a technology, but I, by doing all the testing, I discovered that that's what people thought it was. And by labeling it that, it really worked. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's such a cool concept. And I'm thinking about this as well. That I know, I know what resonates with me, but the problem is I'm not my customer. And so by putting things out there and giving the customer a chance to, uh, you know, floating them by the customer, um, that's really helping you to identify the way that they talk, the way that they think. It, um, genius. All right. So um, once you are, the, the name of your organization is about market domination. So once you're doing your marketing, what is it that takes it to the next level so that you're really dominating and, and not, not just standing out, but um, standing head and shoulders and maybe leaps and bounds above the, your competition. Sure. So once we've got the messaging right, then it's a question of not only can we scale whatever form of media we're using to reach our target market affordably to generate more leads. It's also a question then of who else serves our target market. So we want to, in essence, grow you a cult of 50 evangelists who will promote your business to their audience every single week for a year. So you shouldn't grow your business yourself. You shouldn't do it on your own. Other people already have your target market that they are serving in a different way, not competition, co-opetition. And the goal is 
to get them to promote it for you every single week. So there is a predictable, reliable, regular flow of new referred business into your pipeline, your funnel, whatever you call it, every single week for a year and it'll explode your business. And that's all based on, we've got to start with knowing who's my target market, where do they hang out and who else serves them that doesn't compete with me. Okay, so I love that concept of co-opetition in which it's not, it's people that is, I'm assuming it's people that are peripherally related to what you're doing, but not directly competing with you. Is that, can you give me- can That's absolutely me? right. And to give you an example, which is where I think you were going. Yep. So in the college financial business, our co-opetition are high school counselors, high school guidance counselors, their sports team coaches, their SAT coaches, their tutors, their admissions coaches, all of folks who either see high school age kids and their families or who provide college related services to them, but don't do financial aid. A financial advisor might be looking for referrals from accountants and attorneys and folks like that. It just depends on what business you're in. Okay. And is it like a joint venture in that they get something out of this or is it um, trying to sell them on what you're doing so that they, they're just gung ho and are willing to promote you or what are your, like, what's the strategy there? It depends. So we have in certain markets, like in the digital marketing space, if you're going to do a webinar for your list with me, you're going to be sophisticated enough to know that you're going to give me tracking links. And when people buy my service, you're going to get a commission okay. in a local business, like an accountant might, or a lawyer might be legally prevented. They can't take referral fees. So they may not be allowed to do that. They may just be sharing it because our process has got them to the point where they are excited to share it with their audience and add more value to their client base by introducing themselves them to somebody else. So the industry, the service, the geography all affect whether or not this is a, hey, I gave your book out to three new clients I saw today, I mailed it out to 100, or hey, I sent an email to thousands of people on my list and drove them to your lead magnet. Okay, yeah, and in some ways, there is, there's always the need to express appreciation. Sometimes that's financial appreciation or in the case of, you know, someone who is doing this, um, as a re just simply as a referral, because they're excited about it, then, um, you're sending them a, a thank you note or some cookies or whatever it is that, um, but I'm assuming that as you develop that relationship though, I, you talked about, you gave it a time frame, and you said that you're trying to get this for a year. Is that, um, are you hoping that it goes beyond a year or how to, like, how do you approach that one year idea and how did you come up with that? The one year idea is if you do one a week for 50 weeks, it'll explode your business. I mean, we have clients who've been with us for seven, eight years of that service because it works. I've been doing it since the day I invented it and we have referral partners. We have members of our cult, so to speak, who have been sending us referrals for six, seven, eight years. So we don't ever stop unless our client says, hey, I can't handle any more business. Give me a break for a while, which is my favorite problem to cause. <laughs> yeah, what a great issue. I mean, and it's a testimony to the way that your business works. And that is you're, you're able to say, uh, you're, you've got clients who say, you have made me so busy that I can't, I don't need your services anymore. Yes, or it's, you've made me so busy, I need to hire more staff. You gotta give me a month or two months. We literally had someone today who said, I need to pause my agreement with you for like two months to catch up because I went on vacation for two weeks and I came back and at the end of 30 days, 
you had generated like 52 leads for me. My calendar is full for weeks. I got to catch up before I need more. Okay. And let me just... Let me just make sure that I understood this properly. What I was hearing you say is when you were talking about the 50 evangelists or whatever it is that that are sharing your brand, you're talking about doing one of those per week um, and it not having 50 of them that are doing it every single week. Or, or am I misunderstanding? You are absolutely correct. It's one a week for 50 weeks because if you had 50 doing it all at the same time, you couldn't handle it. Okay. First of all, you'd have to be organized enough to track 50 different people and your business would have to have the infrastructure to take it. What if they all sent you two people today? Could you handle 100 new prospects? Your calendar can't fit 100 appointments. Depending on how you sell your product or service, you probably couldn't handle it. And the process to develop those 50 relationships takes time. It takes an average of 30 minutes on the first interaction 30 minutes on the second one so if you had 50 in one week that's 50 hours that's more than your 40 hour work week plus the follow-up you just couldn't you couldn't most likely physically handle it okay so what you're let me just for my own clarity what you're saying is your your goal is to develop one new evangelist one new ambassador per week for Correct. 50 weeks and at the end of those 50 weeks um your business can't help but have exploded due to the fact that I'm assuming that ambassador ambassador number one is likely going to be referring you things throughout the that entire 50 weeks and ambassador number two just builds on that and you I love it and, and it's it's not it's not overly complicated and it's not overly time consuming if I can can you give us some concepts or some tips on how do you identify who those ambassadors are? How do you, how do you find them? Yeah. So it's, again, it's all based on who else serves your ideal client. So I have now over the years built an email list of 16,000 high school counselors. We drip on them every single week, every two, one, twice a month, we do an educational webinar for them. Twice of them, we send them a new ebook I write on college planning. And about once a week, we do a webinar for one of their high schools where they invite 20, 40, 80, 100 families to come get educated about college financial aid by my firm. And then obviously that's a lot of leverage instead of getting one at a time. And at the end of that webinar, we may sign 10, 20, a, a great deal number of new clients all at once. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's identifying who they are figuring some way that you can in some way serve them and, and in serve the, this mutual cons, uh, constituency that you both have and then move forward from there. But great concept. I, Seth, listen, you have shared a ton of information and a lot of great examples. If folks are looking to get more information about you, where can they find you? Sure. And we've got a very special offer for your listeners. I have a 37 page bestselling ebook on Kindle on Amazon that we sell for $14 on Amazon on how to grow your own cult. That is available at 50% off for your listeners at growyourowncult.com. They can get it for, it'll be the best $7 they ever invest in their marketing. And we'll make them some additional offers of more training and resources after the ebook. Also, if they want to learn more about our firm as a whole and the other things we do and not just that one service, if they go to marketdominationllc.com, 
they can watch our trailer that kind of explains more about what we do, who we do it for, who endorses what we do, and they can grab a time to get on our calendar because of you. We'll give them a 15-minute marketing challenge makeover where I guarantee you we can solve any marketing challenge you've got in 15 minutes or less, and they can get that at marketdominationllc.com. Beautiful. I will put those links both in the show notes. Seth, thank you so much. Uh, we have come to three questions to establish your humanity. Are you ready for this, my friend? I am ready. Okay. Uh, who was your hero when you were growing up? It depends on what time frame you're talking about. So when I started getting into business, uh, my hero was Dan Kennedy, who I had the good fortune to get to work with and be mentored by for a very long period of time. I'm going with that answer. That, no problem. And the fact that not only did you have a hero, but you were able to make that connection. And that's a pretty cool thing. Uh, do you have any pets? Yes. Uh, we have a golden retriever named Tanner and two cats named Faith and Joy. I, I, I love the names of your cats. All right. And last that's question. my wife. Uh, there you go. Uh, so last question for you. Um, hot dogs. Are hot dogs and hamburgers the perfect summer comfort food or are, uh, are they too low class? And or what's your opinion on hamburgers and hot dogs as far as a summer cookout? Okay, so I brought hot dogs for lunch today um, and, and I do grill. I, I am the grill chief of grill master of our house. And so I do grill those. However, I am personally biased and my favorite thing to grill is a ribeye steak. I, okay, you, you can't go wrong with a steak. And um, I agree with you. So um, the answer there is um, hot dogs and hamburgers are passable. But um, if I like them, it's not that they're passable, they're good. I, I, but there is also, in my own personal opinion, something I like even more. Wonderful. Well, I hope that you enjoy the summer and I hope that you get some quality grill time in there. Seth thank Green. you. I am sure that I will. Seth Green, thank you so much for being on today. You are indeed smart and you have shown through the three questions to establish your humanity that you are indeed a person. So thanks for that. To all my listeners, I appreciate you being here. I hope that you have enjoyed this and that you have learned something today. And I will remind you as always that when you stop learning, you stop living. Have a great day, everybody. 